With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. GLG Green Life Group. Celebrating 25 years. Your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Evening, everybody. Welcome along to another dose of tennis as we do every Monday night at 7 o'clock. Love you to be a part of it. There's plenty bubbling around. Not sure we're going to give you all the answers you want regarding the Australian summer of tennis. There's still a lot of balls in the air, still a lot to be resolved. We do know that the intention is for it all to be here in Victoria, but our esteemed Premier and the health officials and everyone else in top office at Spring Street have still got to sign off on a lot of documents. There's plenty going around. Delicate discussions. That's how it was referred to me uh, today. Very delicate discussions going on with the tours, with the government, and so many stakeholders involved in just getting the summer of tennis uh, Operating. If you've got any intel, if you've got any insights, love to hear from you tonight. one 736 736 Brett Phillips with you. I'd love to hear from our many listeners who do tune into this show interstate through the SEN app online, sen.com.au. You've had your tennis taken away for a year. You only get a, a very small dose. Brisbane for a week, Sydney for a week, Perth for a week, Hobart for a week, Adelaide. You don't get to see any tennis up close. Let us know your thoughts. one 736 736 We'll discuss some grassroots uh, tonight. We'll discuss the tour, the ATP finals in London. It is the best event outside of the four Grand Slams for the men. Unfortunately, this year, the 0-2 in its final year, 50 years of the ATP finals, the final year at the 0-2 arena in London doesn't have any crowds. 18,000. It's one of the best atmospheres. I was there about three years ago. Cracking atmosphere. There's about 80 in the stands, so um, it doesn't quite uh, feel like the ATP finals. And I'll tell you what, a young Italian, a red-haired Italian, I say red-haired because I've been closely involved with the Italian family, and uh, in the north there's the perception that all the Italians are dark, uh, skin, dark hair, but the redheads in the north, they're much fairer in the north well, they go to the same beat in terms of uh, their passion, the Italians. But Yannick Sinner is climbing and climbing and climbing. I'll talk about him tonight. Uh, Jed Zetzer is a big part of the First Serve. He does some great work as part of the firstserve.com.au. You can follow that all throughout the course of the week. And, of course, is host of our Aussies Only podcast, which does uh, complement our live show here on a, a Monday night. Jed, uh, welcome to the conversation tonight. BP, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. 
We've got a bit to uh, discuss, and we want your calls as part of this as well, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, because you've outlined a few plans uh, today. We're going to run through a few scenarios as to what January could look like. There's a bit to be uh, rubber stamped, but I'm going to welcome in Tony from uh, East Bentley to the conversation. Jed, before we get into our conversation, Tony, great to have you on the show. Uh, thanks, Brett. Just listening to all the talk about everything being played in Victoria up to the end of January, are the ATP and the WTA considering extending the tour in Australia to Feb, March? Unlikely to be played any tennis in Europe or the US yep. once Biden gets in. Are they going to continue on with all the players here? It's, a, it's on the table, I can tell you that, uh, Tony. Absolutely on the table. And uh, we could see uh, top flight tennis extended certainly into February. Uh, the WTA haven't released a calendar Uh, for 2021. Uh, The ATP is in an interesting situation because normally post the Australian Open, uh, they head, well, sort of one part of the tour heads to South America for that uh, swing. And then obviously there's indoor tournaments uh, in Europe uh, throughout the month of uh, February and then into the Middle East to uh, to Doha and uh, Dubai. So uh, there's a lot to sort out, but uh, very much, uh, Tony, that we could have the summer extended. I know certainly Adelaide put out their own statement today, the Adelaide International, uh, to say that they're still looking at bringing some top flight tennis to Adelaide in 2021. So uh, very much that we could see uh, tennis extended. But Jed, um, let's let's get into this. this is, it's fascinating, isn't it? You wrote a piece uh, today for the firstserve.com.au about you know, how January uh, might look, but how, how do you read it from your point of view? Look, I think TA have a lot of options uh, in front of them, which is a good thing. I think that obviously, well, last year, if we're going off the 2020 calendar, we had five WTA events, three ATP, v- ATP events, as well as the ATP Cup, and then five Challenger events, all in the lead up to the Australian Open. And I think it's going to be a tight squeeze to manage to fit all those events into the one state. But it is a great thing for tennis here in Victoria. And I'm sure Tennis Australia have, you know, plans in their mind. I sort of thought that maybe they could condense some of the tournaments into, instead of, you know, having two or three in the one week, they may only have one. What are your thoughts on it all? Well, look, a couple of people I've spoken to uh, today, I think what we're going to see is a a hybrid version of the interstate events. Now, what that exactly means, I can't spell it out for you totally, but what's been assessed at the moment, and Tennis Australia is in, obviously, uh, heavy discussions with the ATP and the WTA tours, looking at uh, draw sizes how many players are expected to descend on Melbourne and Victoria, which is obviously earmarked for mid-December to quarantine for the two weeks and then get into a, a full preparation mode and and, and tournament mode uh, come uh, the first week of January. And possibly we may even start, you know, in late December. So there's mm. the ATP, the WTA events, as we've spelled out, that are part of the traditional uh, build-up. We've got the Challenger that happens in Canberra, which has been part of the calendar now, uh, for a few years. So is there going to be some extra challenges? Uh, just one on the text here, Jed, uh, Brett, tennis nuts in country, Victoria excited. Could uh, one of the lead-up tournaments be on grass uh, from uh, Greg? I think I know who that is. That's our Strathbogie man. Thank you, Greg. It's great to have you on board. As always, I've got to get up and see Greg and have a hit on those uh, beautiful uh, grass courts. Well, we know that Bendigo's got a great facility. We know that Terrelgan's got a, a good facility. Uh, Hume uh, in Craigieburn has got uh, a stack of courts and have hosted a lot of uh, sort of junior and um, uh, ITF tournaments. Uh, great setup there at the Hume uh, Tennis Centre. 
I do know there was a little delegation that went up to Bendigo to assess the courts today and have a look at that. And I do know that Hume have received an email from Top Office inquiring whether they can uh, stage an event. So it, it's it's going to be obviously a lot of players to be facilitated here, isn't it, Jeb? Because when we think of 128 in the main draw of the Australian Open, you've got all your qualifiers as well. There's going to be a lot of players here wanting um, wanting court time. Absolutely. Now, BP, my question to you is, do you think those regional facilities that you listed, Traugan, Bendigo, Hume, do they have the facilities to accommodate for an ATP or WTA event? I know that they can host Challenger and ITF tour level events, but yep. we're taking it up a notch here and we've got you know top 50 players coming from around the globe. Can they actually facilitate events at the next level? That's my question. Well, I'd like to put it out there to the listeners who are in those parts of the world. I've been to Terelgan. I haven't been to Bendigo's uh, facility. Where, where was the lead-up? Where was the lead-up in South Australia last year? Was it Happy Valley, isn't it? Was that where they played the lead-up? it was Happy Valley, Challenger, yeah. Which I think is on sort of the outskirts of uh, Adelaide. Um, so yep. I think they've got a very good facility. Uh, they, they could potentially bring in some uh, temporary stands. One, The question we don't totally know is how many people are going to be let in. Obviously, we're talking still with the Australian Open, 25% attendance. What does that look like uh, for some of these uh, sort of regional areas uh, hosting uh, tournaments? Look, I, I think I think it's just going to be different. We're going to see, you know, maybe potentially an ATP or WTA event stretched across maybe multiple venues. So I think there's there's a lot on the drawing board here to to look at, which is why there's just no no clarity around it right here and now as I speak. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's just going to be very interesting to see how this all unfolds. I mean, TA have a massive massive uh, job on their hands to sort this all out and I mean I just keep thinking you know when you compare you know the beautiful setting at you know Pat Rafter Arena and the Brisbane Tennis Centre it would be a little bit odd if you you know took that tournament down and put it in Hume no disrespect to the Hume Tennis Centre it's an outstanding facility and you know beautiful facility but they don't have the stands to accommodate for the crowds that's the first thing and I think it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be a massive, massive ask for them to host a tour-level tournament. I mean, they've had no choice, no choice now to bring everything to Victoria. It, too hard for play to, players to move. What what if there's an outbreak like we've seen in Adelaide uh, today where players are going to be stuck there, can't get back for the Australian Open? So all that makes perfect sense. Let's just get it under uh, uh, in one state where we can have everyone here do the quarantining and then after they've quarantined, they're free to move about Melbourne and Victoria and and try and put together a, a really suitable lead-up to the Australian Open. So there's uh, yeah questions to be answered. Rod Laver Arena, Melbourne Arena, Margaret Court Arena, can that be used for the ATP Cup? We know that there's also a construction going on at Melbourne Park, which um, limits that area uh, if you're going from sort of Rod Laver towards Melbourne Arena, where they're building the new... Uh, the new uh, court, which I think is going to seat about 5,000, which won't be ready for, obviously, yeah. another year or so. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a bit to think through. Uh, Kramer from Brisbane, just on the text here, went to my first tennis event last time. It was so great. Going to miss the Brisbane International. Uh, so, so and they do a great job. I, you know, I've been to Pat Raft Arena many times, and they're, they're a passionate tennis state who have obviously produced a lot of fine players, Queensland and 
uh, you know, beautiful conditions to play tennis and view tennis. So it is, yeah, disappointing, certainly for Brisbane, for Adelaide, for Sydney. But, gee, if we think back through 2020, uh, Jed, there's a lot of tennis fans across the world who haven't been able to see tournaments in, in their country on the calendar, unfortunately. Yeah, no, certainly, certainly. And just while we're talking about sort of the events, I sent this through to you today, BP, but I think the way, I mean, the way I see this all unfolding for what it's worth, I think I think if we can accommodate for the Challenger and ITF level events to be played at those regional facilities that you named before, I think that there are enough courts at Melbourne Park to then accommodate for those ATP and WTA level events. Uh, I think the show courts are certainly you know have a good enough capacity to accommodate for these tour level events so Mm. i mean i'm not sure how you see it unfolding but i think from what i can sort of understand or what i can grasp i think the most likely outcome probably will be those tour level events being played at melbourne park and then the challenges and itfs at those regional facilities yeah i think that looks to be the case so one here could shepherd and be looked at as a venue they've hosted big tournaments before now chris at derrimut I think it's a grass setup, isn't it? At Shepparton, Mildura, Dino from Mildura has texted in. Good to have you listening in through the app or online at sen.com.au. We know Mildura has a grass court sort of ITF tournament every year. The other question I was asking in the last half hour as well, Jed, was the overseas tournaments that lead into the Australian Open for the players that choose not to come to Australia early. So we know that Auckland cancelled some time ago. Um, I was asking about uh, Doha, which is obviously a pretty lucrative tournament to start the year every January. There was uh, some suggestions, yep. I believe, that Doha might look at December if it was possible before the maybe the quarantine period, but uh, that is not absolutely confirmed. Uh, we haven't heard anything about Shenzhen. We know that obviously international sporting events were banned going into China, which affected the WTA calendar. Uh, through this sort of October period uh, just recently. And Shenzhen normally kicks off the year for the, the ladies. So there's no confirmation there as to whether that's uh, going to go ahead. And if, if players have got to get here and quarantine for two weeks, that would put that tournament into, I would think, uh, fairly serious jeopardy. Geez, a bit to sort out. Uh, you wouldn't want to be a tennis or sports administrator in 2020 uh, Good on you, Jed. We'll read your great work at thefirstserve.com.au. Aussies only, going beautifully. You spoke to Bridget Maguire last week, uh, the sister of Eddie Maguire, which is a great chat for an hour, heavily involved in tennis. So you can check that out at our website, thefirstserve.com.au. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, BP. Thanks for having me on. Jed Setzer, uh, looking at the summer, we're not really uh, solving any calendar issues. Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. Visit tennisdirect.com.au right now. First serve listeners can get that 10% uh, discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. Love your calls. one 736 736 here on the First Serve. GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. Celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, Brett Phillips with you on this uh, Monday night. one 736 736 If you want to talk uh, the world of tennis, you can set the agenda. You can put anything on the table that you like. Uh, the Australian January Summer of Tennis. Uh, all TBC in terms of uh, dates, what the... Uh, calendar is totally going to look like leading up to the Australian Open. 
Uh, we know that the interstate events are going to be moved to Victoria. That's all that's been revealed. But my indication that I've got is that they will be a hybrid version. So what that exactly looks like, what it all means, uh, as I said, a lot of I's to be dotted, a lot of T's to be crossed. Let's take a look at the tour and uh, what is uh, going on. Uh, Safir in Bulgaria on the weekend. This was the final event for those that weren't uh, lucky enough to be in the top eight of men's tennis who are in London this week. I'll get to that in just a moment. But Yannick Sinner, we've mentioned him plenty of times on this show, a young star who is just heading north in a very, very quick uh, manner. Just to think that at the end of uh, 2018, he was ranked 551 in the world. And now, at the end of 2022 years on, he's 37 in the world at just 19. Uh, Here is uh, how he got it done uh, last night. Sinner is a winner on the ATP Tour, a champion for the very first time. The Sofia Open is his, the first surely of plenty more titles to come. Defeat means more disappointment for Vasek Pospisil, whose wait for a first title goes on. But the day belongs to Italy and a teenager with a huge talent and a huge future. Yeah, phenomenal talent. Phenomenal talent. Uh, if you go back and look at the highlights of that match, he hit some incredible shots. Uh, one where he was uh, running back. There was a lob put over his head. He just had a little look at the corner of his eye. He went cross-court, just put it right in the corner. Vashik Pospisil just said, you're kidding me. You're kidding me that you found that accuracy. So he's Vashik at 30 years of age. He's 11 years the senior of Sinner. He's never won on the ATP Tour. We saw John Millman break through it the age of 31, just a couple of weeks ago. So everyone goes on this different journey. Some, like Sinner, like Nadal all those years ago, uh, they just get it done from day one. And, look, he's got a guy called, we've mentioned this before, Riccardo Piatti, the Italian tennis coach who's in his camp. I mean, Riccardo Piatti, if you look at his resume, Ivan Lubacic, uh, he coached uh, for a number of years, took him from 954 in the world to uh, world number three. So he was there for 15 years. Been in a lot of sort of co-coach situations. With was, was with Djokovic for a very small period as a 17, 18-year-old. But Djokovic uh, said to Riccardo Piatti, well, if you don't want to coach me full-time, which Riccardo didn't, then we're going to have to move on. That was before Novak hit his straps, uh, 2005, 2006. He then uh, was part of the Richard Gasquet camp. He went from 31 to 9 in the world across a two-year period where he was a co-coach of Gasquet. Uh, Milos Ranic, the big Canadian, took him from 11 in the world to world number three. So the guy clearly can coach. But just to think with young uh, Yannick Sinner, who we'll hear from in just a tick, his number one sport growing up as a kid was skiing, as most young Italians do, uh, the beautiful uh, ski slopes of Italy. Football was number two and tennis was third. He decided to get in the tennis path and it's uh, paying off. Let's have a listen to the uh, well-spoken young 19-year-old. Very difficult match today. I played well, especially the first set, and then I started to struggling a little bit. He had a little bit more of pace. He was playing maybe the second set better than me. I, I made some unforced errors, you know. It's uh, but it's a nice feeling, obviously, uh, winning the first the first title. Like last year, yeah, in the same week or November week, and it's uh, it's good. Uh, I felt well uh, the whole the whole week here. Uh, it's beautiful playing here, especially the crowd was was amazing, and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a uh, it's a nice achievement. 
There he is, young Yannick Sinner, 643676. Makes it even more rewarding when you win in that fashion. So he started beautifully, little hiccup in the middle, um, got his uh, mental state right, wins a, a tight tiebreaker against a, a pretty seasoned guy in uh, Varshik uh, Pospisil. And there's one thing I note, returners serve, as we know, so so important. It's become even more important as the game has continued to evolve. Gee, there's a bit of Djokovic in the Sinner outstretched backhand that we know Novak plays better than anyone. That brick wall that sits on the baseline, able to stretch onto the forehand wing to the backhand wing. That flexibility is a bit of that, that double-handed backhand just to keep that ball back, then can reset his core position and stay alive. And then when he goes on the attack, Yannick Sinner, uh, he's got extraordinary talent. So that was uh, the maiden win for a young man who once again beat Alex Demonor. We should mention that. This week, he beat Demonor almost a year ago at the next-gen ATP finals in Milan, and he knocked over Alex, who won the first set of their quarterfinal uh, in that tiebreaker, but then Sinner, too good, 6-4, 6-1. So Demonor at 23 in the world, who's two years older. Uh, Yannick Sinner is bound for the top five. Um, there's no mincing words about that. We're just not quite sure at this stage where Yannick Sinner is actually going to land. If you want to weigh in, if you saw a bit of Sinner on the weekend, uh, what do you think of him? What are his... Capabilities one three hundred seven three six seven three six ATP Finals. It's a brilliant event. It's the final year in London at the O2, uh, moving to uh, Turin in the north of Italy uh, next year. Such a shame though that eighteen thousand people can't flock. All the celebrities get there uh, courtside and they dim the lights, the music, the the light show, the whole uh, production is absolutely brilliant. But there's only about eighty in the stand, so the players are going to generate their own energy. It kicked off. We know that's a round robin format. The best eight men in singles, and the best eight doubles pairings. But overnight, it was uh, Dominic Team. This was the final last year, uh, getting a bit of revenge on Stefano Sitsipas. Seven six four six six three. We might have a quick listen to uh, Dominic Team, who started beautifully. The Austrian star overnight. Conditions are fast, and it's exactly like you said. I mean. Uh, you cannot have any slow time or slow start or anything. All the matches here against top 10 players. I mean, it's the opening singles match here, the finals of last year. I guess that uh, says it everything. I experienced the uh, last four years how important it is to have a good start in this tournament, to ideally win the first match. And so I'm very happy that I did it. How crucial was that game in the third set, 11 minutes and six deuces, for you to come through that? That was crazy. I mean, I was pretty tight I have to say in, in that game because I was always serving great at use saving one break point and I missed well five or six opportunities to, to make that game but at the end I did it and I think that was the the last moment where, where the match went uh, finally in my direction and how are you feeling physically? It's obviously been a very different year. You usually play a lot of tournaments. Are you feeling a bit fresher considering it's the last event of the year? Different, but uh, physically definitely better than the last years, that's for sure. But uh, I think the, all the bubble life and only hotel inside, it's, it's exhausting in a way as well. It's a very new experience for all of us with all the, all the testing and always a little bit tension what what happens around the world if the tournaments can still go on so first of all of course I'm, I'm very grateful as all the other players that events like like this one are still happening that's all we can say I guess yeah he's a he's a star 
He's a, he's a very, very good performer in the media these days. Uh, Dominic Team, obviously great tennis player, and he started beautifully. But it makes a really interesting point, doesn't he? I mean, normally at this stage of the year, the players are spent. Uh, the, the top men who will play you know, big matches, uh, four grand slams, you know, up to, what, 60, 70 matches on tour. Here's Dominic, who does play a lot, doesn't miss too many weeks, although he's sort of got better at managing his scheduling, so he can peak uh, for the big events. Normally, yeah, he's played, gee, 70, 80 matches. He's only played the 30, but it's the mental toll, as he said. You, you know, they're a six-minute uh, walk uh, from the uh, hotel at the ATP finals, but they've got to go by a car. There's not much fresh air, and it's a totally different environment. But, gee, the guys at the top, they are just so driven to win. They... Uh, uh, there's a clear golf. Uh, speaking of golfs, you know, Rafael Nadal this morning goes up against Andre Rublev. So Rublev's had a great year. He's risen to the top 10, won more matches on tour than anyone else. He's won more titles on tour, five. But he said in the lead-up, this will be my ultimate test against the guys who are seven ranking spots above me. This is where I've got to test myself. So he goes up against Rafa this morning. Rafa's on song with the serve. Rafa's on song with that beautiful forehand, just pushed it through the court beautifully. Rublev pretty frustrated. This is a whole new ball game. He's done a mighty job to get where he is. He's got incredible talent. Like all the Russians, he's prepared to dig in and really um, you know, not wave the white flag. He's, uh, he's competitive, but it's just a different class going up against uh, Nadal. A quick listen to uh, Rafa. How much did the matches in Paris help you to feel much more comfortable in the first match here? I really don't know. No, I think uh, having a positive start for me, uh, always the first match is very tricky. Uh, here, well, every match is difficult. Now you play against the best of the best. So, um, yeah, it's a positive start for me. Very happy. Uh, sorry for, for Rublo. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wish him all the very best for the... For the rest of the tournament, he had an amazing season, uh, even under these very difficult conditions. Uh, uh, we had the season, he was able to win a lot of titles, so is uh, an important victory for me. Yeah, he's very much the informed player at the moment. He said before this match that your mental toughness is one of the things that he really notices about you. How much are you having to use that at the moment, particularly in this kind of situation? I don't know, no, I just went on court uh, with the... Um, uh, with the determination to try to to play my game, uh, I think my surf my surf worked very well tonight. So that's a big help always in this uh, in these surf races. So um, yeah, then I, I had my few chances on the return and I I converted. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the way that the game is played in in, in indoors. No? So uh, very pleased with the victory. That's. Uh, change a little bit the perspective of the tournament. I know I have a super difficult match now against Dominic, but uh, have uh, one victory uh, with two sets uh, with me helps for the for the confidence. Oh, no doubt. We can listen to Rafa all day, just rolling those ass beautifully. Yeah, team the Dal. That's going to be a beauty uh, coming up. And just on the doubles, we never, ever forget the doubles. Top eighter in London. Uh, pairing who won the Australian Open earlier this year, Rajiv Ram, the American, Joe Salisbury from Great Britain. They've been a, a pretty formidable partnership, winning uh, quite a number of events on tour the last uh, couple of years. A quick word from uh, Joe Salisbury, the uh, the Brit, after they got through their first uh, round-robin match. 
tough match. I mean, obviously all of them are going to be tough here. But yeah, I think we got off to, to quite a good start. We are feeling good in the first set. Had a, yeah, got the break up. Then obviously they got it back. So yeah, we did well, well to win that one. And then they started playing playing better in the second set. Started returning really well. Getting a bit frustrated. Was missing a few volleys. Wasn't serving as well as I'd liked. Um, but I think, we, yeah, we did a great job to kind of turn it around in the tie break. Bring a bit more energy. And yeah, really come out with some great points there. I think our energy was really high in the third set. You know, I think it's tricky. You know, with no fans in this situation, you kind of have to manufacture it all yourself. And I thought uh, after the second set, they played better. We played a little bit worse, but we we uh, we were able to get sort of ourselves going energy-wise, and kind of a few points turned in our favor in that breaker. And a little bit of Rajiv Ram there at the end. A seven-five-three-six-ten-five up against Kubot Mello, former. Uh, world number one uh, doubles pairing. We've won a few slams as well, so it's a good doubles field. Johnny Pears, if you want to be up uh, later on uh, tonight, of course, uh, ESPN through uh, Fox are showing the ATP final. So Pears here, Michael Venus will be playing around about 11 o'clock uh, tonight to kick off their campaign. And we know that John Pears is a two-time ATP uh, finals uh, champion. So that's everything going on tour. Arena Sabalinka had a win uh, too. We're not going to play her highlights. We don't want to deafen you on a uh, Monday night. She lets... Uh, a lot of screeching out, a lot of screeching. But she could win a slam. I've said that a few times. She could win a slam, this girl. She's got something about her. Two tournaments at the back end of the year uh, that she's won in Ostrava and also uh, the tournament in Linz over the weekend. Betting her good friend Elise Mertens have had a Grand Slam double success together. So uh, Sabalenka, big hitter. Uh, learning to have a bit more patience. And uh, she replaces Serena. So Serena dips to 11, Sabalenka to 10 in the WTA rankings. We'll take a break. Going to talk some grassroots next here on The First Serve. GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. Celebrating 25 years providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. As it is every Monday night here on SEN all the way through to the end of November, we'll take a break and... And uh, settle up for uh, January, whatever January is going to look like. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to join the conversation, oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the text. And don't forget to shop at Tennis Direct. Ten percent off. Use that promo code First Serve Ten. Even on items that are already discounted. Free delivery. Orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. Just go straight to their website. You can shop to your heart's content. Tennis Direct. .com.au. We're going to talk a little bit of grassroots. Uh, Paul Cleveland, well, I've known Paul for a long time. In fact, he was a great supporter of our show in the very early days on SEM with uh, court coverage, a head coach, a founder, uh, running three big uh, and involved in three big tennis centres in Melbourne, uh, Cranbourne Tennis Club, Nary Warren, also Clyde in that uh, growing southeast corridor. Very good player. Uh, in his day as well and still having a very good hit. He's also on the executive of the Professional Tennis Coaches Association and really passionate about the grassroots space. So, Paul, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Brett, and thanks for the great wrap-up. Appreciate it. The, the return to tennis in, in Victoria, we've seen it the last uh, few weeks and uh, for our interstate uh, listeners who've had a, a better run in terms of being able to get out in courts, but obviously we've seen it come back in the last few weeks. How's it been? You're talking to a lot of people, uh, Paul, for clubs, uh, the coaches out there who were um, you know, put on their backside for a number of months and also the administrators. Yeah, well, other than uh, pure jubilation once it was announced, um, obviously the waiting was very frustrating. Tennis was obviously seen as one of the safest activities, but one of the last to come back. So, um the frustration did turn into jubilation, but some clubs, unfortunately, couldn't get back as quick as others. Um, and I guess just going through a few of the, the problems when the rules are, came out, they're a little bit vague and unclear as to the rules. 
uh, it was really open to interpretation. And uh, as soon as the announcement was made, people expected to jump straight on the courts, but it does take a bit of time to get that through with all the, uh, the protocols that need to get done. But um, like I said, some clubs are really quick to get back and others are still getting going at the moment. Um, and I, I guess a lot of... It's not easy in this, this situation, and I acknowledge that, but I guess the information from the key stakeholders didn't seem to be uh, coordinated and consistent and, and was very open to interpretation. Um, I was just looking at it a little bit dumbfounded at the time, thinking surely a simpler formula would have been, you know, when the restrictions were tough, singles yep. on a court would be a logical what, logical step and doubles when restrictions are eased a little bit would be a very simple process that everyone could understand. Whereas, you know, we had larger venues restricted to 10 and it was just very unclear what you could do. So, you know, a simple formula, singles and doubles, but in hindsight, it's very easy, I guess, and it's difficult for those making those decisions. Yeah, there's a few sort of steps here, isn't it? Because you've got, obviously, the government, you've got the health authorities, the Tennis Victoria are involved here from a uh, Victorian point of view as the governing body across uh, the state. Uh, did you feel the information maybe should have been maybe streamlined a little bit or much simpler? And we've got, obviously, councils too, uh, the many uh, metropolitan councils around Melbourne and, obviously, uh, the regional councils around Victoria, all with a, you know, a different take and, and different uh, different rules to follow. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of large organisations there, so it is very difficult, but it was frustrating from the, the grassroots. And, I mean, I'm involved, obviously, as a coach, as a committee person, as an association and as a player, so I see it from every point of view. But overall, the councils were very sympathetic and helpful. Yep. Um, a couple of quick examples. City of Casey, where I'm involved, they offered to pay electricity bills to clubs. Uh, City of Knox, I know they contributed a little bit towards the maintenance cost to get the courts open quickly when the announcement was made. Mm. Uh, but but councils didn't seem to have the same message in all the areas. Uh, their response times are all very different, and that they weren't very clear on what the rules mean either. But um, overall, very sympathetic from the councils, and you know everyone's doing the best they can. In terms of costs, uh, Paul, I mean for those that maybe don't have that intricate knowledge, uh, unlike uh, seasonal sports like footy and cricket, who will pay you know, uh, rent to hire out a pavilion and pay uh, the council uh, ground fees, etc. I mean tennis clubs. Uh, basically operate their facilities all year round and it's a, a totally different sort of cost model and there's a lot more on the clubs to uh, fund their facilities, whether it be, you know, resurfacing courts, new fences, uh, just general, um, you know, uh, general well-being of their uh, facilities. What, what are some of those costs that I suppose the clubs are facing through this COVID year where they haven't, you know, brought in their sort of normal revenue streams? Yeah, I mean, most, most clubs operate from a committee basis here, and there's a few private clubs that, that run as well, but um, most of the committee-run clubs, they're facing heavy losses. They've all pretty much suspended membership or refunded membership in some cases when people are facing hardship. Uh, and, but the maintenance costs, just coming back, like a lot of clubs couldn't actually access the courts to uh, to maintain them during the period, and some of them were quite long layoffs, so there's yep. a lot of maintenance went into courts. Um, the well-organised clubs, you know, they're dipping into the reserves, but they're set aside a couple of improvements, club court expansion, so that's going to suffer long-term. And some of the clubs are really struggling, and I, I, I believe a couple of clubs are, you know, on the verge of closing down. So, um, yeah, it's it's a very difficult difficult issue there. Is there more that can be done by Tennis Victoria, Tennis Australia? Obviously, there are affiliation fees every year, Paul, for clubs to uh, pay. Uh, what's what's the situation there? Have the, have the clubs been helped to, uh, I suppose, defer those payments, or what, what's the scenario? Uh, yeah, in Victoria, uh, the clubs have been asked to pay 25% of the annual affiliation, uh, with, I think, 75% deferred to early January. So it's basically still full fees are due, uh, and for some clubs, that's going to be really detrimental, and it would be great to see if 
if there is some reserves that they could put towards the clubs and you know offset some of those pressures. So um, I, I believe in New South Wales that they're only charging for nine months of affiliation and they weren't as effective as much as Victoria. Yep. Um, so I think that's what's happening in New South Wales. But that would certainly, and I, I would love to see a bit of a reduction in affiliation and in some cases a little bit of funding towards the maintenance and things and maybe even equipment, things like that would be great. Um, there was some other help with Tennis Victoria, like they had a toolkit to develop a COVID safe plan. I think in hindsight it would have been easy if they actually just did a plan for all clubs that they could follow that was one consistent plan for everyone because mm. now we've got, you know, we've got hundreds of different plans out there. Um, there was also helplines available, which was put together. So if people were feeling a bit depressed and, you know, they, they had someone to talk to, which, you know, that was a good thing. So it's not all negative, of course. Yep. There was a lot of positive things happening out there as well. In, in terms of, uh, I suppose, the return to tennis and, and clubs are all about participation, improving their membership, getting more people uh, to their clubs. So obviously, you know, we, we're starting to probably see some ads roll out now for the Australian Open and so forth. Do you think maybe there should be more to promote grassroots level tennis in terms of marketing? Yeah, I, I think they absolutely need to focus on probably three areas in, in the marketing. They need to support the clubs at this, this time, the associations and regions. They've been hit really hard. Um, you know, there's a lot of honorariums, a lot of volunteers going in there. And the coaches, they're probably the three pillars of the grassroots. Um, so they really need to have marketing support through there. I'm sure there'll be something that we need to need to see it as soon as we can. Um, I mean, just coming back to the start of, you know, what it's been like for coaches and administrators and clubs, yep. I'll just summarise very quickly that, yeah. you know, a lot of coaches, um, some received JobKeeper during the issue and some were unable to. So some of them, you know, well-organised coaches and they're, they did really well. Uh, there's government stimulus for some coaches, but others weren't able to get that. But some of the things coaches did during this, you know, they, they helped maintain courts where possible, mm. but sometimes they were locked out. They engaged clients online, you know, they, they very smart, uh, some fitness updates, challenges online. Uh, coaches have really suffered a little bit, though, with retention coming back because some coaches were lost, those who couldn't get JobKeeper. Some of them went to other jobs, and, you know, so retention is a little bit of a problem. Uh, but a lot of coaches took time in this, period to network and upskill like yep. like you mentioned before our association we had regular zoom meetings including job keeping info sessions yep. we had some club association chats where a lot of information comes from we had key speakers like john alexander and some international guests just to keep the morale up and uh the australian academy of tennis coaches also did the same they offered regular zoom meetings they contacted every coach just to boost the morale and share ideas and best practice yeah and i've seen a bit of that displayed and it's fantastic i think a lot of a lot of clubs have um you know and and, and so those bodies uh, that are affiliated the associations have had to think outside the square a bit and, and keep that momentum going it's one i just wanted to touch on uh, it, it, this utr space is fascinating uh paul uh, we've had the australian ranking system in place for a lot of years there's a lot of people who tell me that it's flawed utr obviously is growing around the world we spoke to the ceo mark leshley on this program going back a few months ago um we've seen i think the utr series resume in melbourne here this week kokonakis those are a few of the names that are playing what, what's your understanding of how this is going to be rolled out right across the industry yeah i I haven't had a lot to do with UTR. I am a UTR provider, but I haven't had a lot to do with it myself. But I am going to take it on. But the people I've spoken to, they've, they've really found it offers a more level playing field for competitors. So yeah. it, it's really uh, matching players close to their ability, which has got to be a good thing. Like in the traditional large draws, you have a lot of one-sided matches. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it's great for smaller venues to offer match play, and they can really, with the, with the ranking system, when it, as it rolls out, it gets more and more accurate as it's played. 
it really offers a lot of opportunities and it should enable a lot, a lot of growth long term. So I, I think, you know, those who are against it should be open to it. And uh, I think it's really got a lot to offer and it, it'll play out over the next 12 to 18 months. You'll hopefully should see a lot of more opportunities through UTR. Yeah, and obviously there's a little bit of an issue at the moment, isn't it? We were talking about the ATP and the WTA calendar before, but this sort of is going to filter all the way down to the Australian um, tennis calendar from a domestic point of view with all the AMTs that are played all over Australia, uh, gold, silver, bronze AMTs. I mean, this, um, yeah, the, the calendar's probably the hardest thing to try and work out in tennis at the moment. Yeah, there's, a, there's a certainly a lot, lot happening. But um, I, I do want to mention, you know, the, the volunteers of during this period, they're just the, uh, the hidden heroes. You know, there's such a huge amount of volunteer work that's gone into getting clubs and associations back up and running. Um, it's just really taken for granted a lot of time. But, you know, for the associations, it's an amazing job getting competition back. Yep. You know, the, the way they've run things and the communication are great. Some associations haven't been able to restart yet. They're going to start next year. But they're also, you know, they're volunteer-based and they're suffering heavy losses. They're digging into their reserves. And they've had a, a bigger workload through this because they've actually tried to start the comp three times. So uh, I just want to give a big shout-out to Good all stuff. the association and club volunteers and, and everyone of those. It's just an amazing effort. Outstanding. And, Paul, we're going to continue this conversation. There's uh, plenty to d- dissect from a grassroots point of view. But thanks for just, I suppose, painting a little bit of a picture of what it's like, uh, the return to tennis, which is uh, good for some, uh, tough for others. But this is where uh, this is where the heart and soul is of tennis at grassroots level, mate. Let's do this again sometime down the track. Thanks for your show, Brett, and uh, talk to you soon. Paul Cleveland, uh, long-time coach, uh, very passionate. GLG Green Life Group, your market leader in commercial open space maintenance and management. Celebrating 25 years throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Almost done for another uh, Monday night. Uh, Brett, mid-year we paid $25 for UTR tournaments. So for those that haven't heard of UTR, Universal Tennis Ratings, uh, now they're charging $85 to $95. Can you ask it, why is this? I'm going to jot down that question, Chris. I will chase that up for you uh, during the week. And let's continue that conversation uh, next Monday on the show. All right, we're going to announce our third winner of our Wilson giveaway competition. Thanks to Tennis Direct. Tennisdirect.com.au, 10% off, of course. Use that promo code FIRSTSERV10. Racket all the accessories are coming your way to the value of $500. Let's go into the fancy uh, soup bowl. It's been clean for three weeks too. Won't be ever using this for soup ever again. We've given a uh, prize to Heather, to Bruce from Lang Warren last week. Heather up in country Victoria. Our next winner, gee, we had a lot of entries. It was good. Here we go. Our next winner... Gee, we're sticking in Victoria again because we've had a lot of entries from all over Australia. We're going to Hoppers Crossing tonight. Justin Arns, I think is how I say your surname. Justin, uh, congratulations. You are the winner of our third Wilson giveaway thanks to Tennis Direct. So we will uh, be in touch and uh, get all those uh, goodies uh, to your front door uh, down there at uh, Hoppers Crossing. So uh, well done. We've got one more to draw uh, next week and... For our final show of the year in two weeks' time, we've got a ripper prize. Stay tuned for that. Keep an eye on our socials over the next uh, week or so. So ATP finals uh, to end the year. We're going to be uh, taking a look at that once again later on tonight. Johnny Pears from an Australian perspective with uh, Michael Venus uh, teaming up in the doubles. And then, of course, uh, Group Tokyo, as it's referred. Uh, Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev and Schwartzman. So little Diego gets in 
for the first time, and he's up against the best in Djokovic. Medvedev Zverev should be a great clash, and we know the course team and also Nadal won overnight. So uh, plenty to keep an eye on, uh, certainly from a ATP Finals point of view. And, of course, uh, Novak Djokovic overnight for the sixth time crowned the year-end uh, world number one. Keep an eye on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. We've got plenty of content going up right throughout the course of the week. Our podcast, Aussies Only, crunching the numbers and in the huddle. So there's a lot of content you can listen to when it suits you uh, right across the week. Just make sure you subscribe to The First Serve through your uh, preferred uh, podcast uh, provider. Thanks for your input tonight. Great to catch up with uh, Paul Cleveland, who's really passionate about the grassroots. We'll continue to talk about that. And if you want to send any long-form correspondence, the first serve SCN at gmail.com. You can be really expensive from that point of view. We'll do it all again next Monday night. Subscribe to the first serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to the live shows you miss on a Monday night. Plus our weekly themed podcast content, including Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers, and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Plenty of content to listen to weekly. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.